podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of Footballers. In this week's The Coach and the Pro Show, Steve is joined by one of the very best players in the United Kingdom, Mitch Hayward. Not only is Mitch currently representing SMPR Esports, he's also teamed up with the likes of DH Tex and Tom Lease to represent England in the FIFA E-Nations Cup. And in last year's E-Premier League, he was crowned PS4 Vice Champion while representing Sheffield United. Mitch was very generous and honest throughout this episode, and I'm sure you're going to find this episode particularly useful as you continue your Foot 22 season. Let's get into it. Mitch, thanks ever so much for joining us. Uh, how are things where, where you are in the world? I don't know where in the world you are, mate. <laughs> I, I normally like to check where people are coming from. Yeah, no, from London, me. Currently in London, so yeah, things are good down here. Right, so I've been watching a lot of your gameplay, Mitch, and I was particularly interested by your Road to Glory account because, as I said to Lucas last week, a lot of people who listen to this pod can't necessarily afford all the top tier cards and what have you. So the RTG cards are a, a bit more accessible to them and whatnot. So I've, I've noticed that your team is, you've got a few like real budget players in there, the likes of Anthony Marshall for a start, um, Dembele, Rashford. How are you getting on with those sorts of players? Yeah, no, I'm finding it good. I mean, like you say, it's, uh, I started the RTG just just almost to, to give people something to relate to. You know, obviously being a pro player, our teams have to be very, very good, you know, using the best players in the game. And, you know, most people can't afford those kind of players. So plenty of people, you know, always, I imagine, ask the question, oh, could they do it with my team? Could they do it with a cheap team? <laughs> so, you know, starting the RTG is just basically just to, sh- to show people that it is possible. And um, like you say, people like Marshall, Rashford, you know, you can, <laughs> I think most people at this point in the game can pick up those kind of players. Like Marshall's like, he's like 1K, like, it's crazy. crazy. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, so all like Marshall for 1K. I mean, anyone can get him. So, you know, it's just like I said, just start the RTG, just show people that, that it's possible to get rank one in foot champs or the elite division, if you will, if you're good enough at the game. So, yeah. How are you finding him? Because he's, he's obviously not the most popular of players. I mean, I think you're in, you're currently still climbing the divisions, aren't you? Is it division two you're in at the moment? Well, well, actually, last night we um, <clears throat> managed to get to the elite division on the RTG as well. So, nice elite division on both accounts. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, someone like Marshall is just obviously going from Mbappe to Marshall. Don't get me wrong; there's a big drop off. Mm. You know, there's a <laughs> there's a big drop off there. But at the same time, it's, like, it's just he's quick. You know, he's decent on the ball. He's, he's got a good shot on him. Four star, four star. You know. That's basically all you need, really. So you'd definitely give a recommendation for Anthony Marshall for anybody who's who's basically skint then. Hundred percent. If you got no coins, get Marshall. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> there you go. Pro recommendation. Right. Um, moving away from your team, you've played a lot of competitive FIFA. Obviously, you were a finalist, vice champion in last year's EPL tournament. And one of the things that I often wonder with with you guys when it comes to playing games like weekend league div rivals to an extent as well is what do you look for when you're trying to work out how your opponent is playing when when you don't have long to figure it out because obviously in the in the pro tournaments you've got two legs to figure your opponent out but you know foot champs div rivals you've got to do it in like the first what 20 25 minutes so I was wondering if you could give viewers some tips on on what kind of thing you look out for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, 
a lot of, a lot of pro players anyway tend to play either four two three one or four four two. So you yeah. know when it comes to rivals, especially the elite division, you're playing these these top end guys game after game after game. Like I say, it's, it's typically a four two three one four four two. But you know sometimes you get the odd the odd person whether it's weekend league or rivals that will you know play a four one two and two. Now if you're playing a a four four two against a narrow, you know that's four midfielders against your two. Now that could be an issue. Yeah. So. Like you say, yeah, the opening 20, 25 minutes is normally just a, a adjustment period, if you will. If you don't know who like the type of player you're playing from like experience. So like if I play a pro player that I've already played, I might know how he plays, for example. But if it's weekly where you more than likely don't know the person, like I said, the opening 20 minutes or so is just feeding the game out, seeing what they're, if they're a counter-attacking type of player, if they're very defensive, what, what formation they're actually playing, stuff like that. So I'd say the formation is quite key. Uh, if they're playing a narrow, I wouldn't advise playing a four four two, for example. Um, and then just generally seeing how they play, how they defend, how they attack, and then go from there. Really. So, are you somebody who tends to switch their setup if they come across somebody who's playing a certain formation? Because I know, I know, not everybody does. A lot of people will just stick to their game plan and yeah. and try and dictate from that. But are, are you more more adaptable? I sound fairly adaptable, but again, it depends on on the opponent, of course. Like being in the position I am, I'd say I'm better than most people. So I will back myself yeah. to to be the dominant person in the game, meaning that they would have to change if anything. But again, like in a pro game, for instance, and if, if I'm playing someone that I think is very, very good or someone, you know, if they're dominating me, I will happily change from what I'm doing to something else. You know, I'll give an example. Last year in E-Club World Cup, I played a player, a French pro called Dax, who is um, notoriously right. known for being a possession player. He, say he keeps yeah. possession a lot. He keeps a lot of it, at least 65 plus normally. Um, so my tactic was, which is not normally something I do, was just to purposefully keep the ball. You know, I would I would, I would, would be excessively holding the ball to frustrate him because I knew that he he wants it. I saw he wants the ball. That's what he's used to. He's not used to having to defend, defend, defend. Yeah. And it ended up working in my favour. I won the game. So yeah, it's just, it's just those type of things you've got to kind of adjust on the fly, really. I mean, the four-one-two-one-two narrow presents its own set of problems. Really, it's kind of unique in a lot of ways. So, is is there anything in particular that that you'd recommend going to? I know a lot of people go three at the back, don't they? Against against four-one-two-one-two. Yeah. So, what I, I would do against a four-one-two-one-two is, like I said, I'm normally a four-two-three-one-four-four-two type of player. Last year, I was four-four-two second variation. This year, started off four-two-three-one. I'm testing out the four-four-two currently. So, if I was to play someone. Just using a narrow, and I'm I'm having trouble. I personally would switch to a four-two-three-one. Yeah. I would have you know the cam on comeback possibly if you really need it, but probably on balance because I feel like on this game they drop back enough anyway. Um, so I'd have my three midfielders against their four, but I'd still back myself in that. In that, is, I wouldn't think it's too much of a problem. And then because they're playing narrow, you have to exploit the wings. So I would yeah. purposefully again use my fullbacks. Um, I'd send my fullbacks and runs just to drag out their centre mid stuff like that and it opens up gaps. So, yeah, that's what I would do. Pull backs on stay back while attacking, manually triggering the runs, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. The only time I have yeah. full backs on balance or anything like that is is when I'm chasing a game, maybe 10 minutes to go because there's no need because you can, with the D-pad um, tactics, you can trigger your full backs to go forward even with them on stay back. So, there's just really no need to have them on balance or get forward really. It's just a bit of a bit of a waste, bit of a risk that's unnecessary to take. So while we're talking about tactics then, a common problem that people are having in this year's game is when they're coming up against what you just talked about there, you know, when, when people are holding possession and what have you, do you have a preset tactic for trying to win the ball back? Let's say 
You know, you're up against somebody who's they're winning one nil, fifteen minutes to go, and they're passing the ball around the back. What are you going to do? Constant pressure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just the only thing you can do. I mean, I'm, on this and let the computer do it. Yeah, for you. yeah. Sadly, it's <laughs> what it is. You know, um, on this installment of the game, pressing is very difficult, even from a pro player's perspective. And I don't mean pro be pro. I mean just pressing in general. Yeah. You know, because your players naturally drop off. I mean, it's again, it's been tested by many people. You know, in proceed anyway that you know if you if you have your depth on one hundred, for instance, and your players on balance or stay forward, they still naturally drop off. So it's just something that's within the game. There's nothing you can do about it. So yeah, if you're losing the game and someone's purposefully keeping the ball, um, yeah, I think the only thing you can do is constant press, unfortunately. You change formations? Anything you prefer in that? I know Dylan Campbell's a big fan of the 4 triple two. Uh, What do I play? I play a 4-3-2-1, I believe, constant press. So Interesting. Yeah. So that gives you a nice spread, I suppose, that you can cover most of the pitch if, yeah. they, uh, if they're switching it around and, yeah. I think I think it depends on how they uh, are playing. Really, like a lot of people, like four triple two is a good one, or four two four is a good one. Yeah. Some people, if you're losing by two goals, some people will just go to narrow constant press. Obviously, try to get as many people in the box and around the box as possible. So I think it just depends on your style and you know how the game's going, really. But yeah. Well, I want to move on to some specifics around your style, but before we leave the pro scene, one thing that we haven't really covered so far yet on, on the coach and the pro is the mindset of, of a competitive FIFA player. So I wondered if you'd talk a bit about what you think it is that separates the average Joe from, from the, the successful professional player in terms of mindset. How do you, let, let's start for instance with, suppose the game's going against you. Suppose you're on the wrong end of a bit of bullshit. How, how do you see that? What, what's the sort of thing that's going on inside your mind with that? The way I see it is it's going to, it's inevitable. Everyone gets it. Everyone receives it, if you will. You know, obviously a lot of people are of the impression that they get it more than others um, or they don't get any luck, but that's, it's certainly not the case. Everyone gets luck, everyone, you know, gets unlucky. So my way of seeing it is, it's just like that is, you know, if you get, if a crap goal goes in against you, it's just, it's part of the game, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, if you go one or down, you still need to score, to score a goal to win the game anyway. So yeah, it's just, it's almost just accepting it. In my mind, it's inevitable. So... Yeah, it's just accepting it and trying to get on with it, really. Because at the end of the day, if you, if you consider a goal that you don't think is just and you end up playing being frustrated and playing poorly, you know, what, like, what's the point? Yeah, That's how I see it. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. That's just the way I see it. It's just if you get annoyed and don't play as well as you could, I mean, what, like, honest, what's the point? Like, why, have you, why have you decided to do that? It's not going to help you. It's not helping anything. So, yeah, just try just try to accept it and, and stay focused on, on what you need to do, really. I think that's really important. I think that's a really good point because what you're going to find happening is that if you hold on to it and you're still thinking about what happened 10 minutes ago in the game, yeah. you're not going to be focused on that exact moment, right? You're not going to be playing your best FIFA. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'll give an example. Like last year in the Premier League, I played um, Tom Lees, who is, uh, he finished first in Europe on PlayStation last year. Great player. Great player. Fantastic player. Yeah. And um, played him in the semi final. I missed two penalties in the first leg. He ended up scoring a very lucky goal <laughs> in the 87th minute, I think it was, to make the game 3-2. Okay. And it was, it was one of those games where, you know, it should have been four or five, you know, no problems. Right. Um, XG. Up, yeah. Well, genuinely, <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I should have been four or five, maybe four or five, one easily. I missed two penalties right. and he got that very lucky goal at the end. And I could easily have gone, it's just not for me. You know, it's just, it's just not meant to be type thing. It's just, 
yeah. missed two penalties. He's got that goal. It's just, you know, it's games against me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But just yeah, didn't allow myself to do that. Went to the second leg, won that game as well and, and obviously got to the final. So, yeah, you just got to stay calm and almost accept it for what it is. You ever feel like you're kind of in the zone when you're playing really good FIFA? I mean, there's de- yeah, there's definitely some days where it clicks. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's the key when it comes to the pro level anyway. It's like, for the most part, everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows how to sort of skill moves. Everyone knows how to, you know, right six switch or whatever it may be. But it, what separates the best from the best is the mentality and consistency. So, yeah, it's just some days, like for me, even me, for example, something I still need to work on, but some days you'll feel like you could be anyone and there's no way you're going to lose a game. And the next it feels like it's, it's a completely different game. You don't want to be doing. So yeah, there's definitely days like that for sure. I would say, is there anything you can do to, to help yourself get into that zone? But I guess if you knew that you'd, you'd put it in a bottle and sell it for thousands <laughs> of pounds. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know the answer for sure, but I just, I assume it's just practicing and, and uh, you know, working on your men- mentality and of the game and consistency and stuff. It's just practice. I think it's, I think it's the only thing you can do really. I think that's great advice you know if, if you do get a bit of bit of luck going against you just let it go move on yeah you're just gonna it's like it's like holding on to something really hot isn't it it's, it's, it's only gonna harm you exactly. just drop it yeah and move on it's perfect exactly great example yeah same yeah couldn't have said it better really yeah. footballers is brought to you by the foot academy the one-stop shop for all things foot whether you're struggling in fifa 22 or simply want to improve to the next rank foot academy is the place for you you'll get things such as gameplay tutorials custom tactics as well as guides on how to utilize them with a private section of the Footballers Discord to ask questions and give feedback. If you're really serious about taking your game to the next level, there's still a few slots currently available for professional coaching from Steve Stokes. The best part, it's affordable. To sign up, visit patreon.com forward slash foot academy. That's patreon.com forward slash foot academy. Right, okay, uh, let's move on to a couple of things that I've noticed, particularly while I was watching your gameplay. And... This is this is such a common gripe with this year's FIFA. Everybody wants to know how you score goals. More than that, they want to know how do you create openings in the box to even have a chance of, of scoring a goal. And one thing that I've noticed you use a lot, you use it in your build-up play as well, but I've noticed that you use it a lot inside the area to create space. You use ball rolls. Uh, can, you, can you tell us a bit about how players might introduce ball rolls to the game, where they're useful? Yeah, <laughs> ball roll. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love it. It's like every year, yeah, every damn year, Mitch, people say to me, "What's what's the most important skill move in FIFA?" Yeah, and I say the ball roll. Yeah, and the reason I have to say it every year is because nobody listens to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been asked a question plenty of times in my stream as well. Is why do I do it so excessively? And to be honest, I probably do do it excessively. Uh, something I, I should reduce maybe a little bit, but I think I think the reason why I do ball roll so much is just because it forces your opponent to think, I feel. You know, the constant movement, the constant little turn, the constant, you know, uh, activation of your player almost, like they're constantly having to think. If you're just turning around in circles or just going side to side, like, you know, I don't, I don't think it does much. So with the ball roll, just, um, I guess it's, uh, it's definitely a, what's the word? Um, it's like it's like cemented in my mind almost to, to do it. That's definitely a side of it. But at the same time, it's just so effective. Like I say, to... To create a little bit of space and angle almost and, and almost just to get the opponent to to commit to one side or just to think. Um, so that's why I do it. So I do it a lot in the ball. I do a lot of my build-up for sure. Like I do it a lot in the midfield of the fullbacks. But um, 
definitely around the box, around the byline is why I use it a lot as well to, to create that extra angle, that extra bit of space. How do you think your build-up play would be affected if you weren't allowed to do the ball roll? It's just, it's like I said, it just, when you do ball roll, it just gives you that, that, that angle, that quick turn almost, you know, you just... So you're opening, you're opening passing lanes, kind of. Yeah, so like what I would do for instance, if I gave it to the fullback, I would do a ball roll and then turn. Whereas if I had to take a turn to do what I would do with the ball roll, for instance, and then turn again, I feel like it's just a slower action. So it gives right. the opponent more time to, to get the ball off me, basically. The ball roll just speeds it up, it just makes it quicker. So yeah, it, it would definitely affect my game in a negative way if I couldn't do the ball roll. So all about the animation then, really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The animation is what makes it key. Like I said, it just gives the angle and it's just the quickness of it. Um, just, yeah, your opponent has to be quick. Good stuff. And how about if your opponent is moving the keeper? Ball roll useful there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're ball, yeah, if the keeper is being moved uh, by your opponent, just a tad bit of composure. Also, patterns like I feel. I feel like if people are moving the keeper. Usually, it's a, there's a pattern to it. So, for instance, if you're if you're going through with uh, Marshall, we'll use Marshall as an example. He's on the right hand side. You know, the typical thing to do is shoot across goal. Yeah. If they've done that once and you're in that situation again, there's a very high possibility they're going to move him across goal again. Yeah. So you do a little ball roll to the right hand side, go near post. You'll probably score. So it's just, um, you've got to be aware of, it's like I spoke about earlier, so like you've got to be aware of what your opponent's doing. If your opponent's counter-attacking, if your opponent's sitting deep, are they player switching well? Are they moving the keeper? You've got to, in the game, you've got to take note of all this in your head. So, yeah. Because that's such an important thing, isn't it? And it's, it's overlooked. And these are really the things that separate the, the decent players from the good players. You've got to have an idea of what your opponent's doing because being able to predict your opponent it's, it's massive, right? No, for sure. I mean, you know, if it, again, we'll use an example to keep him moving. If you, if you go through and go with Marshall, keep, the keeper's been moved, you've missed a shot. Yeah. You know, you, you, it's fair enough. You know, he hasn't done it. Most people don't move the keeper in champs, for example. You know, it took you off guard, fair enough. But if you go through again and take the same shot again and he's moved keeper again, you know, and you still haven't scored because you've not taken into account that he's moving the, goal, the goalkeeper yeah. and he goes up the other end, scores and wins the game 1-0, that's your fault. Yeah. You know, that's not the game. You're sitting there annoyed thinking, oh, I've gone through on goal twice. How's he missed? It's, you know, blah, blah. It's your fault. So you've got, um, you've got to take these things into account. Now, like I said, that is small details that, that make a massive difference when it comes to FIFA, for sure. Too long didn't read. What Mitch is saying there, people, is get good. Yeah, get good. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, um... Before we go to, we've got a few listener questions that I think we can squeeze in. Uh, before we get to them, something else I've noticed, and again, something that we haven't really spoken about on, on the coach and the pro so far, you'll also create space by using shot cancels. Tell us a bit about them. When do you use them? What do you try and do after the shot cancel? Yeah, so I'll be honest, I'm not someone that uses shot cancels too often. Uh, it's definitely something I'm trying to get into my game a bit more, but Obviously, I know what they're about and how good they are. Like last year, for example, a lot of pros would, um, what they would do is they'll do a shot cancel when it's almost uh, a guaranteed goal, you know, um, because I say almost, almost is a key word because it makes the defender commit so excessively to the shot. You know, if someone's, if someone's got an 80% chance and does a shot cancel, there's a high possibility that the defender's going to commit to trying to block the shot or getting away the shot. Yeah. So, what they would do is do a shot cancel and then turn backwards almost and then do something like a hill to hill. This was last year. So a hill to hill was very effective last year. You know, it's like 
it's almost like a quick speed boost, and then they'll obviously shoot and probably score. This year, I think the shot cancels is still used in that regard to kind of make the defender commit, but I think it's more to just get the opponent to think. Right. Because there's the shot cancels almost, it's just so, if you turn just using left stick in the box, you still, it's still effective, don't get me wrong. You still, I do it a lot, it's still effective, it still works, but the shot cancel, you turn so quickly that the defender then has to kind of guess or commit to a foul or commit to something they don't want to. Or it can, you know, it can, it can definitely still just create a little bit of extra space just to get a shot off. So yeah, that's why I think shot counts are good. What else have you got up your sleeve for, for creating space in the box, Mitch? Uh, ball roll scoops are very good. Uh, it's a little bit advanced, but yeah. they're very good, especially down the byline, down the wing. Uh, if you're running down the wing, do a ball roll scoop, turn back inside, you've got a pass usually onto someone on the edge of the box or a striker, for instance. Um, a driven pass, we should say. I, I heard you complaining about how bad X passes <laughs> are. Oh yeah, generally, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> It's part of that can be started on passing, but um, uh, skill moves in the box. Elasticos are very, very good. Um, whenever people yeah. ask me about like building, like, I help people usually build their teams and stuff like that. I'll always put a five-star skiller in there, at least one or two, because I think it's so important to have a five-star skiller in your team just for the Elastico, for example. So what I'll do is in the box, I'll do a an L1 stop. An L1 stop is basically where your player will stop dead, but they'll look towards the goal. So... Even if you're looking towards... That throws people yeah, off so much. Yeah, even if you're looking towards your own goal, if you just press... Don't press anything else, just press L1. You'll Your player will quickly stop there and turn towards the opponent's goal. And then a quick elastico, whichever way, usually creates a space to get a shot off. So, yeah, I'd say those are shot cancels, elasticos, uh, ball rolls, obviously, ball roll scoops. I'd say those are the main ones, to be honest. I do it... With me, I think I'm a, I do a lot of twisting and turning. I get asked, how do I dribble like that a lot? And it's just genuinely left stick. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 what I use to get to get goals really. Back in a big way, isn't it, this year, left stick dribbling? Yeah, it's a lot better this year. It's a lot more viable to use, so which is beneficial to for me because it's something I'm good at. So uh <laughs> yeah, left stick's good this year. Right. Okay, let's move to some listener questions. We've got one here from a guy called Hunter. That name will be quite familiar to Footballers Pod listeners. Hunter's a co-host of the regular show that we do, Mitch. And he claims that he's asking this question for a friend, in inverted commas, <laughs> yeah. a friend. Yeah. One of those, eh? Coincidentally, he's, he's been in my direct messages all yeah. week complaining about counterattacks. <laughs> so you guys make up your own minds as to whether this is from Hunter's friend or not. Hunter, or Hunter's friend, wants to know, how do you defend counters in layman's terms? Well, this one, I think tactics come into play for sure. I would always have one of your midfielders on stay back. Um, I know there's, there's some people that play balance on both. I don't recommend it. Just just for that, for example, if you have your fullbacks on balance, your midfielders all on balance, you've only got your centre-backs back there defending, there's a high chance you're going to concede goals. That's pain. Yep. Yeah, so I'd say have your fullbacks on stay back and then at least... I have one midfield on stay back because I like to go forward with one. That's what I would recommend. Um, but definitely have one, maybe two on stay back. If that doesn't work, in the actual moment of the counter attack, make sure you're defending the through ball. Um, that's what people usually are looking for the most. They're just looking to bang, 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 go quick. So if you if you cut off the the through ball, they usually don't know what to do. And if if they're still on a counter attack and they've not taken that option, uh, I put on OBS, which is overload ball side. Right. The reason why I think that's so effective is because your t- it's not just to, to make it all compact. It's because I find that when you switch OBS on, on a counter-attack, your team just gets back quicker. 
So interesting. If you can put OB, if you put OBS on and you can survive the counter attack, you then can usually just defend the situation as normal and obviously make sure you turn it off because it will drain your stamina. But yeah, just in the motion of a counter attack from a corner, wherever it may be, if you put on OBS, I find it just helps your team to get back into shape a lot quicker than it usually would without it. So that's what I would advise you to do. You try and close down the man in possession, or do you tend to just backpedal and give him space? Like I said, I think the priority on a counter-attack is to mark the through ball. So if there is someone yeah. running through on goal, you have to mark it. Once they've almost run offside and you think that's no longer a danger, then you can press the ball holder. So it's in that order of priority. Mark the run and then press. But the priority when you're defending is to defend. Who <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we've got another question from Rob in the Footballers Discord. He wants to know, are there any controls or buttons to help dominate headers in the middle of the park, say from goal kicks or wild defender route ones? And he says he's talking about actual controller actions rather than the player's height, strength, heading accuracy, jumping, etc., which obviously are all factors. But yeah, talking about the, the button inputs, the, the controllers, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, well... Obviously, the height stuff would help. Um, there's some that you just won't win. You know, if you're playing Van Dyke and you've got Giovinco up against him, he's not going to win the header. So that does. Giovinco. <laughs> I haven't heard that name this year. That, um, <laughs> as, you know, that does obviously play a big factor. But if it's, you know, someone that's, uh, I don't know, Ben Tecchi, for instance, up against Van Dyke, then there's, there's things you can do. I think pressing the jockey button, which is uh, L2 on. Uh, the PlayStation and LT, I think, on the Xbox, um, or the Shield one, should I say? Yeah. Uh, it kind of just almost backs your player up into them and sort of like pushes them off a little bit. And obviously, you can press X or whatever it may be. Any situational as well, if you're defending and you want to just win the header, pressing the shoot button normally is, is better than pressing X, which is obviously the pass button. Um, it just gives you, I think, a bigger probability of winning the header, a bigger chance of winning the header. Um, it won't be accurate, but you'll win the header. So, there's that, and I think that's about it really when it comes to headers. Not much more you can do. It's just L2, L2, LT, and then just if you're defending and you want to just win the header, that's your main priority. Press the shoot button uh, to clear it. And um, if you want to be more accurate with it, then obviously press the pass button. But yeah, that's about it, I think. There's a lot of RNG in headers, isn't there? It seems. I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I agree with what you've said there. Something else that I've noticed as well, though, is that talking about defensive headers, it seems to me that if you if you really power up a clearance, if if you're just tapping circle, you're not powering up the clearance. Your your defender's animation is going to reflect that. Yeah. Whereas if you really power up that header, they're going to take a massive leap, flex the neck muscles, and really belt the ball. So they're more they're more likely to win the header. I would say if you power it up as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. But again, if you're going to do that, you've got to kind of accept the downside of that is that you'll probably give the ball back to your opponent yeah. anyway. So it depends, I mean, it depends on the situation, depends on your priority. If you want to win the header but keep the ball, X is what you want to do. Um, and if your priority is just to get the ball clear and just win the header, then yeah, powering up the, the shot button, like you say, is probably the best thing to do there. Yeah. Right. While we're talking about headers, actually, um, people are struggling a lot scoring from set pieces this year. There's there's a corner routine that's that's kind of doing the rounds. Uh, that That's in the Foot Academy Patreon for anybody who's interested. But when it comes to free kicks, are you still using routines from, from previous FIFAs or are you using anything different this year? Are you somebody who likes to shoot from free kicks or are you a 
let guys step over the ball and, and play the pass and get the shot off. Is, is that your kind of thing? Yeah, so me personally, I am the type of guy that will play it short and try and work something. But, I mean, shooting shoot from free kicks is definitely viable. It, it depends how far out you are and who you have over it. If you're, if you're you know, a few yards out just outside the box, whatever maybe you've got little Messi standing over it. No. I think the key is with shooting from free kicks is if your opponent puts someone on the line. Right. If your opponent doesn't put anyone on the line and they don't move keeper, like I said, it's definitely viable to shoot depending on who you have over it. But for me, I just I prefer taking it short because I thought I back myself to to create something uh, a better goal scoring opportunity, if you will, from playing it short than just shooting direct. So yeah, but both are viable. It just depend. I think it depends on who you've got over the free kick if they put someone on the line, if they move keeper, and how far out you are. So yeah. What about coolness? Is there anything that you you particularly like from corners? Um, well, you mentioned the uh, <laughs> you mentioned a tactic that's still around. Um, there's that. Yeah, we should probably describe that. Actually. Yeah. It's, it's basically you just, there's two ways of doing it really. You can either uh, set your corner slider to one or you can take a free kick short. If you set your corner slider to one, it'll basically just position a man at the edge of the penalty area on the corner. So you, you drive a ball out to that guy and then, power up across to the to the far post and quite often you'll find that you've got a player unmarked for for a free header which I suggest is a downward header actually when you uh, when you make contact but yeah that, that's the one that's doing the rounds that's quite common people are working that out a bit now though I think that they're tending to get pressure on the guy who's putting in the cross so well is there anything yeah, else that's on the radar well there's actually something you can do to sort sort of somewhat counter that and what I would do is um, I mean you are right in saying that if you have it in one obviously the guy would be on the edge of the box that's harder to mark, right? Yeah, for sure. But what I would do is just call someone else short. So what you do is you take a short one and if they don't mark it, you could obviously do a driven pass into the edge of the box and then whip it back stick. But if they do mark it, you've then got the free run into the box. Right. Yeah, yeah. You call it, you basically... You pr- you, you're, <laughs> you're a sneaky lot, you Yeah, much. so that's what I would advise people. I, mean, I shouldn't really be saying it, should I? But um, that's what I'd advise people to do is... Um, yeah, do that. Have corners on one so that the guy's on the edge of the box, but then also uh, call someone else short. So when you do take it short, you've got both options. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I do pretty much every time. I Sometimes I might whip a ball into the box just from the, the corner, but I'll be honest, I, I don't do it often at all. It depends if I might, if I have a Ronaldo, if you have a Van Dyke, someone like that. I'd consider doing that, but I think the best thing to do is, like in previous years, is just to take it short and work it from there, really. Giving away your secrets. I'll tell you what, Mitch, we'll leave that in the pod, but if you're listening, it's on the condition that you don't tell anybody about it, okay? It's our secret. Exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's brilliant, Mitch. Thanks ever so much for joining us. Uh, You're streaming quite regularly. Uh, you're on Twitter. What What are your socials, mate? Where can people find you? Yeah, so my, every on everywhere on every platform, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Instagram, whatever maybe it's, it's M Hayward with a an X as the second A. So it's M H A Y W X R D, and that's the same everywhere. So yeah. there we go. Be sure to check out his Twitch streams, and I'm sure you'll get a masterclass in in how to put all these tips and tricks into practice. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. Right, that's it for this week. We'll see you again next week. Bye for now.
Social Podcast Network.